Welcome, everybody, to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith in Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and so grateful to have you with me today. If you have been following me on this podcast or on social media, you know that I have recently completed my first marathon. I have a five-part blog series on the Faith in Marriage website that goes into great depth about my experience, and I strongly encourage you to read it. You will be blessed and encouraged by it. And since running has been on my mind over the last few weeks, I wanted to do a podcast episode about the topic. Joining me on the show today is Patrick Sullivan, founder of the Frasati Running Club in Baltimore, Maryland. Patrick is a four-time marathoner and a teacher, a theology teacher at Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. In today's episode, we discuss the profound connection between physical fitness and the spiritual life, how training for a marathon is an analogy for life overall, the importance of setting big goals for yourself, the need for community to achieve those goals, and various ways to manage your emotions should you not succeed or fail or get injured along the way as you're trying to achieve set goals. I hope that this episode gives you the encouragement to set big, hard goals for yourself and to go get them done. As a country right now, I know that we are being forced to slow down because of the coronavirus, and so it is an amazing opportunity to reprioritize what is most meaningful in our life. Now is the time to ask yourself what it is that you want to do and devise a plan to go get it done. That's what we're talking about today. When the show is done, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, spread the word about the show, tell everybody about it, and thank you guys so much for listening. And let's get into this conversation with Patrick Sullivan. Patrick Sullivan, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing this today, this afternoon, whatever time it is right now? <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. We, uh, I think we just hit daylight savings time, so I think yeah, we're, all, I'm, uh, we're all a bit wonky. No, I'm, uh, Mario, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really excited to be on the show. Fantastic. Well, just introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. You are a, a teacher at a high school up in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area, excuse me. Uh, but you're also a running coach, and you also run this beautiful Instagram website called Society Running Club, uh, which is doing great things. So just tell us a little bit about what got you into all this and, and yeah, what, what you got going on in your life. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, Mario. Um, so again, my name is Patrick Sullivan. And um, yeah, during my, my waking hours, I do spend most of my days. I get you know paid um, to be a religion teacher um, back in Tiger High School <laughs> in D.C. paid? Wow, good. Good for I you. Do. <laughs> I mean, well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do get paid to do it. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, before, you know, in the mornings, um, I spend my, my mornings, um, training for, uh, for various marathons. So I'm, gosh, I'm about six weeks out of my next big marathon, um, which I'll run in Delaware. Um, and then in the other free time that I have, um, I do spend some time with my wife and kid. Mm. Um, and then lastly, as you mentioned, so I run this, um, you know, still, I think pretty humble, uh, apostolate called for Saudi running. Um, and honestly, it just, you know, it kind of just started out of, out of a, a selfish desire to create something that I would enjoy. Um, <laughs> you know, so people, you know, uh, I joke with a lot of my friends that, you know, my, my, my Instagram feed is really just like pictures of people running inspirational saint quotes and, and pictures of food because those are the things that I like. Sounds great. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, each one inspires the other, I guess. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of decided that, you know, I want to put, I want to put all this together. I, you know, I really see a connection 
of, you know, not, not the food just yet, but, um, you know, the, the training and the running and, and the faith life and the holiness. And I really saw it all working together in a rhythm in my own life. Um, and so I just decided to create a resource for myself and it has grown slowly but steadily. Mm. Um, and it's been a real blessing and I've really enjoyed the time. Oh, praise God, man. All right. Well, hopefully we'll have more time to, to talk about all the various things you got sure. going on there. So it's great. All right. So this show, uh, as my listeners know, I've been training for my first marathon and I've mentioned it in previous episodes on health and wellness or hope or goal setting. I mean, it's something that I've been talking about for, for a few months now because really for me, I, I, I ran my first 10K back in April and then I ran my first half in November. And then yeah. I, my first marathon just now a few weeks ago, which is great to be able to say that, I, that I've, I've run my first marathon. Yeah. And even the half was part of the training program. I really started training for the marathon back in August. So I would say a solid six months that I took to get my base mileage up and then yeah. to get, to, to get my, uh, my, my marathon training kind of underway. Um, but I tell you, you know, crossing the finish line at the rock and roll marathon, I mean, it was really, for me, honestly, like, uh, it was moving. And it was really one of the most profound uh, spiritual experiences of the last few years of my life. I mean, like mm-hmm. as moving as any retreat that I've done in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it really, um, it really just, just, just shook me. I don't know if it's the right way of saying it. I mean, I've, I haven't stopped thinking about it. I, I just finished a five part series. I know for my blog um, on the website, which will be out by the time that this show airs. Um, mm-hmm. And it really just, you know, it hit me on like so many different levels and it just got me thinking, I was like, okay, so like what, like this profound connection that we have between our body and like our physical experiences that we have and then our spiritual life. And so often I think that as Catholics or as Christians, sometimes we talk about these two things as, as if they're separate kind of silos, even though we all kind of say, Oh, theology of the body. Yes. We, you know, we don't preach a dualism. We don't Mm -hmm. live a dualism, you know, that, that that deposits the body and the soul against one another. But practically speaking, you know, like Benedict sometimes talks about being practical atheists, you know, like sometimes I think we're practical dualists in the sense that like we don't honor uh, the physical life in as much as we honor the spiritual life where we talk about spiritual things kind of almost against physical things. So mm-hmm. what you're a theology teacher and you're a runner. So I know you kind of get what I'm talking about, but, but what yeah. do you think about all of this as we're just kind of starting our conversation here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I totally get what you're saying about this. This almost kind of transcendence, right. Of, yeah, good word. of, the process of, of training and then that that moment, that kind of um, the pivotal, uh, liminal moment, right, of, of crossing the finish line. Um, and, you know, I think that in, in any sort of major distance event, right, whether it's um, a marathon, whether you're an ultra runner or even, you know, a half of that, you know, it's I think the distance is really relative. It's the experience that is unifying. Um it really, it, it, it kind of strips away a lot of, uh, the extra and, and you're forced to kind of go into yourself, right? Especially, you know, mile 21, mile 22. I mean, you're in it. Um, and it, at that point, you know, everyone too, p- people will say like the marathon is really split up in the two halves, right? The first 20 miles and the last six, like That's those fair. are the two halves of the marathon. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first, and you'd say the first 20 are physical and the last 10 are mental. The last 10K are mental, right? Um, and I think that's what, you know, on a retreat, if you think about what we do, especially like if it's a three or a five day retreat, 
first three days of that retreat are really getting you to unhook, right? And kind of shut down all these other extra pieces of your life. And that, that fruit really comes out of those last two or three days um, where you finally allowed yourself to be raw and vulnerable. Um, and that I think is what happens when we are in, when we're deep into a distance race or not, and not even just a race, but training as well. I imagine there were moments of your training where you were at both a physical and, and mental and emotional point where you're like, I don't know if I can, I can do it. I've definitely been there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I love your analogy of like looking at the distance race and then comparing that with retreat, which is very similar in the sense that like, mm-hmm. you know, you you go on a silent retreat for a couple of days or five days. And really the first day alone is just you kind of disengaging and then trying to get to the place where you can to actually kind of let the Lord do the work yeah. that he wants to do inside of you. For me, in the sense that like what's different about it is that I, tr- I, I normally don't train before I go on a retreat. You know, it's, it's not like I spent six yeah, months yeah, in yeah. prayer working my way up for a retreat. But the mm-hmm. physical training, like I, it, it did six months, like you said, slowly building up the mileage. It became very difficult the last couple months, I would say, maybe not a couple months, last yeah. six weeks as the mileage was increasing to 16, yeah. 18, 20 miles. Finding yeah. time for the long runs was really hard. But my wife, Kristen, God bless her, and my boys, you know, I have four of them. They all really supported me in this. They all got it. They all understood why this was important for me, why this was meaningful for me. And there were, there was those days where, and I, and I write about this in, in, in one of the posts that I, I've had a couple moments that were, where I'm talking to myself that really were kind of key. One of them was in my 20 mile run, I got to mile 18 and, and my hamstrings just gave up. It was something wrong yeah. with my form, something wrong with the, with my, 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 my hamstrings. And they just, they just, they just stopped. Right. And I had to like basically walk home for the last two miles and I didn't bring my phone. So I couldn't call my wife to come pick me up. And so right. I had nothing to it, but I had to kind of walk at, you know, whatever pace I can kind of get to. Right, right. And I remember thinking like, man, like, I push myself too hard. <laughs> you know, like what's wrong yeah. with me? Like why, why do I, why do I push myself too hard? And, and, uh, and, and recognizing that there's an element of me that is a high achiever, but that yeah. the Lord is, is merciful in that as well. And God wants mm-hmm. to kind of wants us to push hard, but he also doesn't want to break us. Right. And that balance between knowing when you're overexerting yourself and redlining versus when you need to pull back was really for me the, the the biggest lesson I learned in my training. That yeah. not, not every training run needs to be at a hundred percent. Right. Not, not most of actually most of them don't need to be that. Most of them need to be, you know, at, at uh, easy stuff. Easy stuff, exactly. Yeah. Just to kind of build it up. But I didn't get that. I mean, I ran cross country in high school like twenty something years ago when it was just like, ah, just go run. You know, like what do you got to do? Eight miles, just get it done and come back. You know, I mean, like that's that's pretty much all yeah. it was. The the sophistication of training now is completely different than it was when I was in high school in in mm-hmm. in in the nineties. But um, but yeah, like you said, like the, like for me, it was really kind of learning how to how to push without over overdoing it. So right, what do you think? What what what, yeah, what lessons I, you've learned? <laughs> One of the interesting things that you bring up, right, is you with you know with every intention wanted to go out and and train and do well and push yourself and and you know go big or go home, um, and um, just just knowing now, like you know, on the one hand, you know they said the rule is eighty twenty, right? So eighty percent of your miles in a week um, should be easy, and then the other twenty is when you're doing your intervals and your your speed work and your strength work. Um, and, um, you know, the, the great, you know, us marathoner Des Linden, um, 
often says like you don't, and this is like physiologically true. You don't get stronger when you are running hard. You actually, your, your, your muscles get stronger when you're resting, when you're recovering. Right. Um, and we, especially as Americans, we just want to like white knuckle everything and just do it ourselves and just like get it done. Um, and that, that is not only, I mean, that's not, that's anti-Christian, right? That's, we need each other and we need God's grace to do anything. Um, but it doesn't work in, in distance running either. Like we need to slow down. Um, and let our body do the work that it was designed to do, um, and allow ourselves, yeah, to just take it one step at a time so that we are rested and recovered when we need to do, when we need to, to dig deep and go to those kind of deep places and get those hard runs done. Um, and that balance is often hard to, you know, to actually do when you're in it, right? It's easy to look at and like, okay, yeah, like I get it. I get the science, I get the, the planning, training plan. But like when you're in it, it's, it can be uh, difficult to, to pull back and say like, yeah, I got to go slow today, even though I'm going a minute, two minutes slower than my goal pace. You know, you just have to trust that the process is going to work. Yeah. And that becomes part of that. That for me became the exercise itself, which was yeah. don't push yourself like mentally slow down. And all of that translated well into the marathon. Like when I actually did the yeah. race. It was my first one. I didn't want to injure myself and I wanted to enjoy it. Those are my two goals going into it. And it's, so I yeah. kept my cadence up and uh, I kept my heart rate, you know, at a, at a manageable level. And I did that the whole race and then I finished. I ran a 422, which for my first, I felt awesome. great with. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to break four at some point and, and I would love to qualify for Boston at some point, which for the listeners who don't know is is nuts. That's like a 305 for men in their 40s. It's just it's so fast. I, yeah. I know you qualified for Boston, so I do want to, I want to hear about your experience just in a little bit, but, but just to say like, it, it, it really became an opportunity for me to be able to just say like, all right, like back off, um, don't have to push yourself so much, which yeah. honestly is hard for me because like, that's my life in general. Like I push, yeah. I push, I push and, and I, I always bear the burden for it. I always pay the price for it, you know, like, yeah. so you're right when you're saying that. I think the, the 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 Lord invites us to not always have to be on it all the time. Yeah. So, one one other story that I want to share with you, and then I want to hear your stories also about training a marathon. Another one that really kind of captured the whole experience for me. On the race itself, I didn't hit the wall. By God's grace, mm-hmm. uh, mile twenty two came and went and didn't hit the wall, which is nice. I just kept my nutrition up, kept my hydration throughout the whole race. I knew that was the issue. I, I did yeah, enough, enough training, enough reading to know that like you just have to keep the, the fluids coming in. And, and so I did that, no problem. But, but mentally, I hit the wall at mile yeah. 19. And at mile mm-hmm. 19, the, for an hour race, the, 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 back, went, the back eight miles really were, were all in wind. It's up by the lakefront here in, 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 yeah. in New Orleans, and it was just all wind. And the wind was coming. I thought the wind was coming from one direction, so as soon as we turned around on, on the lakefront, we, it wasn't. It was just coming from everywhere. And it just it was, it was bad for the last eight miles. Yeah. So mile 19, we're getting the starting kind of the, the wind, and it's a long race, and I've been on my feet for three hours, and yeah. I hadn't eaten in six hours, you know, solid meal, and I'm just tired and hungry, and it's sunny and warm. And I was like... Why am I doing this? What am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing to do this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, nobody threatened the life of my child, right? N- nobody, right. nobody is 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 harming. Like, why? Like, why am I doing this? And 
Yeah. And all of that doubt just started to, to creep in. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, really, it was like, you could just call an Uber and go home and tomorrow would still come. Your wife would still love you. Yeah. Your kids would still love you. Nothing bad would ha- it'd be okay. Yeah. But I knew myself, like I was doing part of what I was doing was offering the, 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 the run itself up for, for my listeners, for, yeah. for my clients, just for other people, just so I was like, no, I, I'm in this because I know I know I need to do this. I've wanted to do this for for 27 years. Here we are. We're like, we're ready at mile we're 19. Doing- we're doing it. We got seven miles to go. Like, we're going to get this thing done. Let's kind of silence those thoughts and let's kind of keep going. So finish the race, you know, back, like you said, last six miles are grueling is what it is. Cross the finish line. It's great. Wife and kids are there. It's awesome experience. You know, go home, take a shower, rest, and then get into the evening. When I get home at night, my wife uh, gives me a, a gift that she had made. And graciously, what she knew by the end of this, that this wouldn't be my last marathon. She knew that I was I was in it. I was loving and loving the experience. And it felt great, right? Yeah. So she makes me this plaque um, where it has a, two hooks on one side where I can put the race bib on. And then yeah. on the bottom has a, a bunch of nails where I can hang each of the race, the finisher medals kind of across yeah, awesome. and I can hang this thing up. It's not, I don't have it in my office. I have it, have it at the house, but then this, in this middle space over here, which the listeners don't know where over here is, but because it's not a podcast, <laughs> but, we, but just, just be with me listener, you know, just, there's an empty space, you know, where my fingers are. <laughs> and, and then she had inscribed on it, wood burned on it that said, uh, at mile 18, you wonder why you're doing this. But at 26.2, it all becomes clear. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and that was like word for word what my experience was on the marathon. And I had shared that with her right when I finished. And so I'm staring at this thing really like dumbfounded. I was like, did you yeah. did you write this in like the two hours like that I was taking a shower and yeah. a nap? And and she's like, no. She said, you know, when we, we put this thing together for you Friday before the race. And we were, were looking online and trying to find a couple different slogans or sayings. And, and this was the one that we kept going back to. I kept going back yeah. to it. And I was like, so, yeah. so this is the one that I knew I wanted to put on there. So earlier, she said, earlier today, when you said what you said, she's like, my mouth hit the floor. I was, like, I was trying so hard not to snicker because I knew what I was going to give you later in the day. She said it was really just kind of remarkable. It's so wild. what do you think about that? Is that nuts or do you, do you think I'm crazy? No, <laughs> no not, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, you, you know, one of the themes that, that really drives – my coaching, and I, I steal this from another great U.S. marathoner, Meb Kaflevsky, is that you know the the speed that we're running is relative. Like well, that's all relative, right? Whether you are, um, you know, whether you're at the top of the game, right? You're the U.S. You know, you're going to the Olympics. You're the you know you're an elite marathoner, or whether you are you know a five, six, seven hour marathoner. It's twenty six point two miles is hard. It's hard. Like no, like no Olympic marathoner is going to be like, yeah, it was a great time. Had a great time. Can't wait. Like it's hard. It's really hard. And so I think that experience, um, that 18, 19, 20 mile mark that, I mean, that's a common place that, that every distance runner goes to where they, um, have that kind of existential crisis. Like, what am I doing? Why am I, you know, why, why am I here? I'm in, I'm in tremendous pain. Um, you know, I don't have to, I don't need to validate anything by doing this. You know, my wife and kids are still going to love me. No, my, my life is not on the line here. Um, but there's this element of, you know, I, I set a goal for myself and, and I'm going to accomplish it. Um, and then there's also just this like 
this moment where you you get to 26 and you look at yourself um, and maybe you know you're you're collapsed in the floor you're you're covered in in you know goo or your gel or whatever you're using you can't help but like think you know I did this thing like like I, I did this you know I, I set out this ridiculous crazy wild goal um, and I did it and to that I would say you know that doesn't just apply for the 26 miles you know I another, you know, a big kind of philosophy that I have is, you know, the 26 miles, that's, that's your victory lap, right? The, the success is, is like getting up at like four or five in the morning every day for six months and, you know, grinding out a 10, 12, 15 mile long run and you're not doing it right. Like, no, like I, if, you know, I can't stay out late on Friday night, I got a long run. Like, no, I've got to do this. I got to get up in the morning. I got a long run, you know? you do that for 12, 16, 18 weeks, that's your, that's your victory right there. And whatever you do on race day, you know, that's just, that's all, that's all gravy at the end of the day. You know, obviously we want to hit a time, right. you know, that's what, that's what we're aiming for, no doubt. Um, but you know, it's like you train, you get yourself to this, this moment of, of peak fitness. And then like, what do you know? It's, you know, it's 75 degrees, super humid and super windy. Right. And you miss your goal by five minutes. Like, does that mean you Obviously not. Like you had a great day. You did everything in your power. You controlled all the variables. And so like we still want to celebrate that that really the process that culminates in this single in the single event. Right. Yeah, that that was our experience. It was it was that. It was warm. It was like yeah. seventy two degrees. It was it was warmer than it had been. But the yeah. week before I was like, kids, don't sneeze on me. Nobody cough on me. I'm washing my hands like 15 yep, times yep, a day. Yep. I was like, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> you know, I need yeah. sleep. I don't want to get a migraine. I want nothing, yeah. nothing to. And I woke up in the morning and I was like, I still, I feel good. All right, here we go. Race day. We're going to make this happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Patrick, how many marathons have you done? So I've done four. Um, yeah, four marathons. And uh, yeah, so the one in the spring will be my fifth. Fantastic. Now, why do you run them? You know, I, I have asked myself this question and I'm asked this question all the time. And my honest answer is I, I like running. It's <laughs> a good answer. And that's it. Like, you know, and there are, there are great, there are great responses out there. You know, it, you know, um, it takes me outside of myself or I run for this person or run for this organization. And, and th those are true, uh, to an extent as well. But for me at the end of the day, I just, I, I really like it. I derive joy from being out on the road. Mm. Um, it's early morning. I, you know, I don't always listen to music. Um, I just, I really like, I really like running. Can you articulate why? What, it is nuts, but it's okay. What, what, what is it about the running that, that, that you just enjoy so much? You know, I, I enjoy the time, um, I enjoy the time with myself for sure. The training days. Um, I love, I love the hard workouts, which again, sounds wild. Um, but you know, the, the workouts where like, I'll look at my calendar and I'll see something coming up and think to myself, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one or not. Um, those are the days that I really enjoy because then either I do right. And, and, I, you know, I kind of get pumped up because I'm like, I did this thing or I don't, but I have the satisfaction of knowing I took myself as far as I could. 
Um, and that is really what I, you know, I really, you know, race day as well, you know, just one of the, um, you know, I've got a lot of different strategies and, and I do not recommend this for longer distances at all. Uh, but for shorter races, I kind of have the strategy of like go out hard and then deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that for a 5k, but like, yeah, yeah, do that for a half or full. Do not, yeah, do not do that for, do, yeah, because then deal with it is, is, is calling the Uber a mile 17. Yeah. Um, you know, for, yeah, for, so for, for a mile, if I'm doing a track circuit or if I'm doing a 5k, it's, yeah, it's go out hard and deal with it. Um, because I know that if I push myself, um, I could, you know, I can really throw down a good time yeah. and, uh, you know, um, I love that just being in that kind of competitive moment, whether it's with myself or with other guys on the road. Um, I just, I, I you know, I love the, the whole atmosphere, right? The running community is, is just a really good, positive one. Yeah. Um, and it's fun one to be a part of. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, a couple of things that you were mentioning right here is, is one, like after finishing the marathon, I, I had an appreciation for people who are drawn to extreme sports. Like I'm not one to want to bungee jump off a building or, yeah. you know, uh, jump out of an airplane with a piece of cloth attached to my back, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like I have no, no, no desire to do any of these things, but I understand like the draw for it for some people because like nothing about running 26 miles is, is it considered normal. Like it's not in your normal kind of repertoire of things that you just want to go do. Yeah, sure. yeah. I mean, the first guy who did it died. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and then people were like, yeah, we should do this for fun. We'll use this to raise money for charity. Yeah, exactly. Well, we just know now that he didn't train properly. Is this? Is, is, is that right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah he if he was supplies, it would have been a different story. <laughs> exactly. I shouldn't make fun of him. Sorry, uh, Phidippides. Rest in peace, wherever you are. But so, like you know, but but there's something to be said about pushing yourself beyond the limits. In, yeah. And again, in a controlled fashion. I think that's what we were saying right. earlier. There's a way right. to do right. this that that is both um, taxing and uh, relaxful at the same time, as crazy as that sounds like there's a way to kind of grow and build and train for the race that prepares you actually for it without overdoing it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I I find that, that like pushing yourself beyond your limits without breaking yourself for me was just, I mean, a lesson that goes beyond just the running. Right. I mean, like it's something that goes, that transcends the experiences of, of, uh, of, of my life in many ways. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of what, what, what you're speaking about in terms of what gets you going looking at those hard days and be yeah. like, there's a certain vulnerability sure. that's there. It's like, man, am I going to get this done? Um, and if I don't get it done, then it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, but at least I tried. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I've learned, I've learned, I mean, that's, that's, you know, the notion of like, instead of, you know, Dina Castor has this great book, uh, letting my mind run. And, you know, the whole premise is you, you switch from like, I don't know if I can do it to, I wonder what my body can do. You know, like I have this, you know, you know, eight mile tempo run. And instead of saying, man, I, I don't think I'm strong enough saying like, I wonder how strong I am. I wonder how, I wonder what my legs can do today, you know, and just flipping that switch, you know, and even getting to that moment of, of pain. And instead of thinking like, man, I'm in a lot of pain, I'm hurting to like, I'm, I'm working right now. My legs are moving. Like I'm strong. I'm powerful. Like this feeling I'm having right now is because I'm working. Um, and that just kind of that mental switch, um, can do a lot of good when you're in those moments of, 
of, you know, real pain or doubt or hardship. Yeah. What a great switch between, you know, I wonder if I can do this to I wonder how good I can do. Yeah. Great premise again, to, to, to approach life in that way, whether it's other goals or challenges that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think that like, you know, we said that the marathon itself was, was, is a big goal. It's not something that you can just do overnight. I mean, some people maybe if they're, mm-hmm. they're given, you know, what, I, this isn't a fair comparison, but I know what, what's her name who just finished second in the, the Olympic trials, Molly, Molly Sidell. Sidell, you know, it was her first marathon ever and she's qualified for the Olympics, you know, sure. but she's sure. an elite athlete. Like, you know, just have to say she was, she was like Olympic, she was like, you know, top high school yeah. runner of the country, a top collegiate. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. She was four time NCAA champion at the university of Notre Dame. It, it, uh, and she got in on a ridiculously fast half marathon time. It, so exactly, exactly. So, you know, but still, it was her first marathon, right? I mean, like, that's still incredible. But, you know, that's not most people. Most people, like, say, we're just going to run a marathon. It's just not, it's not going to happen. But there's something to be said about, like, this experience of achieving goals, like setting goals that are high enough um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then going after them, you know, and doing the work and and risking failure all the way through. I mean, that's, that's the hard part is that I could have, I could have really hurt myself. I mean, I could have tore a hamstring Mm -hmm. or I could have stepped on a rock or, or something yeah. that, you know, the, at any point it still would have been worth it. Like at any point yeah. it still would have been absolutely worth uh, completing it because the, the pursuit of the goal in and of itself is, is, is what's yes. meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and I think of these great, think about the great spiritual masters, right? Um, and I think about someone, this, you know, this great, like, you know, Teresa of Calcutta who, we would say like just emanated joy, right? Um, and yet experienced these moments of tremendous spiritual dryness and spiritual darkness. Um, but never once in these moments of, of, of darkness did she say, you know, this whole this whole missionary thing was just, it was just fat. I was just having a midlife crisis. I was only doing it for the t-shirt at the end anyway. Like, you know, for her, like she saw the, 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 the whole process, right? That was way more important than, than these these passing feelings, right, of, of having a nice go of it. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, the long-term training um, can can lead us into that, into a similar place, right, where we can do, you can go through a 10 or 12-week training period and feel fine, right? Um, but over weeks, years, months, right, over long periods of time, there will come times where you string together a couple bad races or bad workouts or you're plateauing or you, you know, what am I doing here? Um, and those, I think being able to push through that and say like, yeah, there are going to be hard days. There are going to be days where I just don't feel like getting up. Don't feel like, you know, I'm not going to tell you that every single day I'm, I'm jazzed to get up at four in the morning and run 10 miles. Like there are days when it's really hard, but I know that it's those days. It's those kind of early, dark, cold days that's that are going to set me up for mile 22. Right. You know, like I'm not training for mile three or mile four. Like I can do that. I'm training for mile 21. I'm training for mile 22, you know? Um, you know, and and it's those experiences of, all right, I'm going to push through this because I know what's on the other side. Um, I mean, that is like, I just see so much of that in these, in these great spiritual, um, masters, these great, these great saints who saw the, that their finish line, right. They saw what was on the other side. Um, 
and that their joy, you know, their joy came from the work they were doing for Christ. And, 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 you know, when they had those moments of doubt or, 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 you know, of darkness or, you know, um, criticism, I'm sure. Right. What are you doing here? Being able not to, not to white knuckle it, not to just like, oh, let's get through it, but to trust in the process, to trust, you know, in the will of God and continue on and more often than not, right, come out the other side, filled, filled to the to capacity with joy. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Mario Sacasa. I'm taking a quick break from my conversation with Patrick Sullivan to encourage you to find us on faithandmarriage.org. At Faith and Marriage, we are a ministry that's dedicated to help you improve your relationship, not only with your spouse, but also with your family and ultimately with Jesus Christ himself. And so our desire is to try to help you on your faith journey and to help you to see that the relationships in your life are key for you being able to grow in your love of the Lord. So check us out at faithandmarriage.org. We have some wonderful, great resources there for you. Uh, I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I think the, the hard part is we all have to set goals in life. And, mm-hmm. and there's something about setting a goal that's just a little bit out of our reach that makes us feel vulnerable. And it reminds yeah. us of our limitation and our need for grace and our need for community and connection. Yes. And, and knowing that this isn't something that we can just do on our own. Right. And. And so it's like in, we have two options here. One, we can set our goals little and, mm-hmm. and make it easy to 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 jump over it. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't really help us grow as a person. Right. right. Um, or we can go too hard and put set a goal that's too high that just leads us in discouragement and prevents us yeah. from being able to, to move forward. Right. So the, 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 there is a there is a, a, a middle ground here that we want to set our sights to and then we want to actively work towards mm-hmm. that. Um, and that's where the process of discernment kind of kicks in mm-hmm. in community mm-hmm. and sharing with people and being like, Hey, I have this crazy idea. I want to run this marathon, you know, or, or for me, I mean, I, the other crazy idea, I mean, I, I have a doctorate and, and honestly, like as, as meaningful as the marathon was, it was almost as meaningful as the doctorate. I mean, it's just crazy to say that, but the doctorate yeah. was so much more practical. Obviously it opens up doors for, for, for teaching, for, yeah. for, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. And you get fancy letters at the front of your name, which sound cool. You know, you can introduce yourself as that, but that's uh, just an ego stroke, you know, but, but I'm like, sure you've got the, those, those existential crises in the library at, well, you know, two in the morning. I did, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, there were days you know? where you have to set aside and you have to say, you know, in nothing else, this is the priority. I, I can't so go visit my family. I can't go. Yeah you know, hang out with friends because I have to go read these articles. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes a good day is a day that I would only write, you know, half a paragraph. I'd spend sure. six hours reading articles and then turn out three sentences. I'd be like, well, that was productive. You know, yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, we got that done. <laughs> that was a great day. Yeah. Yeah. And it all, it's all analogous to me with, with the marathon training as well. Yeah, that sure. There were days where you just like get a couple miles in and and, and, and you know what, that, that's sufficient. Sometimes yeah. that's all you can get in and, and that's right. you have to always take the long game with all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I love, I love what you're saying about, you know, we need, we need community when it comes to this stuff, you know, um, just, you know, just, you know, 20 something years ago, you know, U.S. marathoning and U.S. track and field, it was all about, you know, the interesting thing about trying to make the, you know, the Olympic team is like, 
there's three spots, right? <laughs> yeah. So like you train with your buddies, you train with a group of five. On the one hand, you're your teammates. But on the other hand, it's like only three of us can make it, you know? So there was this weird thing where like in the late 90s, early 2000s, like there was a lot of solo training, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, I think it was in the 96 or the, or the 2000 Olympics, we, we, I think we only qualified like two or three athletes and they did terribly. And so then the following year, you know, uh, you know, runners like Dina and Meb kind of got together and they said, we got to do this thing. We got to start working together. And they started the Monmouth Track Club. And then you start getting, you know, um, Brooks and then now Bowerman. And all of a sudden you start working together. And now all of a sudden records start falling. USA Track and Field is on the, on the rise again. And it's because people are working together. People are coming because you start, you start pushing one another. And if you're with a group of five, okay, I'm having a bad, I'm having an off day today. Well, those other four are going to, they're going to pull you along. Right. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I want to hit the snooze button. Uh, you know, my buddies are counting on me. Right. Um, and you know, you know, same thing, like, you know, there's go back to mother Teresa. Like there's a, like, you can't talk about mother Teresa and then not talk about John Paul. Right. Um, you can't talk, like, there are these great saints who come in, in pairs and trios. And why is that? Like, you, know, you look at, uh, you know, Teresa Lazoo and, you know, her parents, you know, Zelie and Louis Martin, like there's a reason they're being, you know, they were canonized too. And, and I think her older daughter, uh, they're all this, she's, she's up for canonization, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason that these saints come in, in pairs and trios. And it's because we, we push each other. Uh, we hold each other accountable. We draw the best out of one another. You know, mm-hmm. what was the first thing Jesus did was he went out and he, he wasn't like, oh, I got this guy. It's like, I'm fine. He goes out and he, he gets, he, he gets followers because he knows that, that we're, we're designed to be in, in community. Right. And that's, you know, and people say running as a solo sport and like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you got to do the work, but we accomplish great things when we are in, in community. There are no solo marathons. I mean, mm-hmm. look at it that way. There are no solo five Ks. Like it's, it's always a communal event. Yeah. Um, that was the, that was part of the beauty of it. It was just the people cheering you on, you yeah. know, the signs, the ridiculous signs that people have, you know, and it really is helpful. It helps. It, it helps help. tremendously. Yeah. Um, and then even like I was running that here, that this, this race, they do the, the half and the whole at the same time. And so the half and the full marathoners go at the same time. And so for the right. first, the first 13 miles is the same route. And there was one point where I, I was running, trying to get in my nine minute mile pace because I was shooting to break four. I really wanted sure. to break four, but I wasn't going to beat myself up if I didn't. I wasn't yeah. going to hold my, I wanted, like I said, my, my goal was to enjoy it more than it was the time. But in probably like mile early on, mile three or four, like I found myself running and there was this other girl who was there who was running and it was probably mile five or six where I realized like, oh, we're like running the same pace here basically. Mm-hmm. So I went up mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, you know, like we're running the same run basically. And she was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I was like, well, you know, I'm trying to keep a nine minute mile pace. If you want to stick with it, you know, have my watch on, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of do it. She's like, all right, great. And so then we didn't really talk, but ran next to each other for like four miles, you know, like just to kind of encourage one another and to navigate the, you know, the, the crowds and stuff. And, And that's what it is. But you know, you're talking about like the great saints, Mother Teresa, John Paul II, coming in pairs. Honestly, like to me, it really makes me think about marriage. You know, in oh, the, yeah. the, the gift of my wife Kristen and and us being married for for 17 years now, and and, and the journey that we've shared together. 
yeah. um, and being able to, as you said, like we're not supposed to do this alone. Like we're supposed to encourage right. one another. We're supposed to support one another. We're supposed mm-hmm. to push one another, encourage, like challenge one another when we need to be challenged, like help yeah. each other to grow into mm-hmm. the great saints. And, and not that I necessarily want to get off on all of this, but like that really is the gift of marriage that's misunderstood is that like you just don't have to journey alone. You don't have to yeah, have right. these successes by yourself. You don't have to face failures by yourself. Like you're supposed to have somebody else there and your spouse is supposed to be that person for you. Yeah. And I know that Kristen has, has been that for me, certainly. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's a running joke that says, you know, the, the only thing harder than training for a marathon is being married to someone who's training for a marathon. <laughs> um, <laughs> My and, wife will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you know, my, my wife Catherine is you know tremendously supportive of uh, you know of my running, and um, it's hard. It's hard to get out of the house. Um, you know, we only you know we've got one, and you know that'll change this summer, and things get a little bit more wild. Um, but she's always been so so supportive, and she's always been in my in my corner when it comes to my running. Um, and you know, Maria, one of the things you mentioned earlier, you are when you are out there, you know, there is this. Reminder that like, okay, if I, if I do DNF, I don't finish, I am still going to go home to a wife and kids that love me. Um, and and I think that, that is also an important grounder and and an important reminder that like, you know, I do, you know, I do really want to, you know, what my big goal is to, is to run under three hours. Right. But like my, whether I run 259 or 301 or, or I are, you know, last year I bonked and like, you know, I just didn't, it, the whole thing came apart. Um, but that doesn't change my, my worth or my dignity or, or any of that, you know? Um, and on the one, on the one hand, you know, my wife remind, you know, supports me where I'm running, but is also a rock in, in reminding me that, you know, whether I, I crush my goals or whether I am crushed on race day, I, it's all, you know, at the end of the day, this is all, this is all just a fun, a fun thing that I'm doing. And, and, yeah, my worth is not determined by by my what my garment says. Amen. Amen. You know? Yeah, praise God for that. How, yeah. how have you managed then when you've fallen short of those goals or or when you have injuries? Oh yeah. Um I think and, and man, I wish I, I wish I had a panacea for this because I don't. Um because you know, I'm telling you I'm telling you right now, and I tell it to my athletes too, like, you know, you're not you know, our dignity is derived from our baptism and we're loved by the creator of he's called like, and I, and I, but then on race day, you know, I'll come out and I'll like have a bad day and be like, whatever, man, that was just a bunch of baloney. Yeah. Like I feel terrible right now. You know, so it's, it's like, you know, when I'm outside of it, it's really easy to, so if part of it is also like going into the race and knowing, right, no matter what happens today, like, this is all race day is all, you know, it's like I said, it's all gravy. I, I put the work in, I'm already victorious. Whatever I do now, this is just icing on the cake. Um, but I have definitely had those days. Like I said, last year had a big race I was training for and just, it just, it didn't happen. You know, it just kind of came together. My training was good. Um, I stayed healthy, which honestly is 90% of marathon training. And, um, you know, I remember that race just like mile six, mile seven, I just knew, I didn't have it in me that day. My legs were tired. I just felt like I was running through molasses and, you know, and the whole, the whole train. And then, you know, then I got in my head and the whole, you know, the whole ball of yarn just unraveled. Um, and it was a tough, 
yeah, you know, it was a tough couple days. Um, but honestly, you know, the bet, like the way I got over it was three days later, I registered for another marathon six months later, you know, and it was kind of like, all right, like you got to get over it because you got more work to do, you know, mm-hmm. recover, you know, I, I've got a, you know, a, a, a really great PT, you know, go get checked out, do a once over and then, you know, reload. And I, I, I think that's for me, that has been my, my go-to is when I have bad days, you just, all right, accept and validate today. It was hard. You know, like, I, I don't think it's worth saying like, ah, whatever, like it is what it is. Like, like, no, like we can, we can accept that. Like it was really hard. Like my experience was not positive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a healthy process to say, yeah, this was a difficult day. I'm disappointed. Um, but then work through that and then set your sights on another goal. And so that's been really helpful for me. It's just move from one to the next. I think that's, that's yeah. right on, man. You know, recognizing that like not every day you're going to have it and, yeah. and you have to contend with the, with, with the sense of disappointment and, and that it's okay to feel disappointed. Yes. God loves us. Yes. Our worth is in our baptism and yes, God made us to have crazy ideas and go seek these things out. That's part yeah. of his, you know, creative mark on us. And, yeah. and yeah. sometimes we're going to fall short of that, whether that's because right. of just events that are beyond our control or just because it is what it is sometimes. And, and God is even there in the midst of that disappointment mm-hmm. and having to choose that and to remind ourselves of that. Um, speaking about the Olympic trials, you know, that the, one of the, the, the marathoners who I was following was Jared Ward, um, oh, from, yeah. from BYU. And, and he's for the listeners who don't know, he qualified, you know, four years ago. Um, and, uh, he was one of the favorite athletes to, to kind of come back right. into this and he didn't qualify. He finished 27th. And mm-hmm. I was watching an interview of him after the afterwards, and he said it was really beautiful what he said afterward. He said, you know, like he said, similar you're saying, it's like, I, you know, mile 13, I realized I, I wasn't I wasn't here today. My legs were molasses. Yeah. Mile 16, I tried to to make my move and try to get up to the lead pack, and my legs just weren't doing weren't responding. They weren't doing what I, what I wanted them to do. And he said, so by mile, I guess 17, 18, he knew that he was not going to win and not qualify, and so he thought, you know, maybe I just need to stop. You know, maybe this is it. Like, why am I finished? I'm not going to qualify for yeah. the for the Olympics. Why am I risking injury? Miles just call, call it quits and that's it. But then he said, I thought about, you know, the fans who were there cheering me on that came yeah. to see me. And then I thought about my boys back home and what it would mean to them if I had quit or what it would mean to them if I didn't mm-hmm. quit and said that mm-hmm. even if I was failing in this goal that of not of making the Olympic team, I knew I wasn't going to make the Olympic team, but, it, but finishing in and of itself was worth it. And finishing it yeah. itself was, was, was part of the process. And that was him, you know, this guy who had a real shot of making the team this year, you know, speaking about it kind of as calmly collectively. Now maybe he gets home and he cries his eyes out, you know, that he's, yeah. he does the real grieving work that we have to do. We have to acknowledge that's all part yep. of the yeah. reality of our experiences. And God wants to, to hear those and feel those. And we shouldn't feel guilty mm-hmm. as Christians for being disappointed or for having anxiety or for, yeah, for feeling bad that we fell short. Like, it's not like we just got to be like, oh, God's providence, you know, it's going to happen, whatever. And we just kind of float through life. Like, is this emotionless, you know, autonomous, you know, like right, robot right. or whatever. Like, that's not in accordance with Catholic theology. And so it always puts us in a, in a vulnerable place. That's the word I keep going back to is a recognition yeah. that like, we could do all the things that we're supposed to do and 
And sometimes it just doesn't work out for us. Sometimes it just right. isn't the day. And, and sometimes we just have to kind of deal with it. But, but nevertheless, like that's, it's important that we, that we push through. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And, and you're spot on just, you know, yeah. Recognizing that it, that it hurts. Um, and, and allowing, allowing ourselves to be disappointed, you know, uh, and I think that, you know, disappointment can come from a good place because it means you, you know, you, you, you desired something, right? We know that, that desires can be from, you know, are of God. And if, if we, if they aren't fulfilled, then that disappointment can, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I didn't hit my, my goal last time out. Right. And I was disappointed. So what did that, you know, what did that lead me to do? All right, we'll look back over the plan. Like, all right, what did you do? Like, how did it go? What worked? What didn't like, you know, let's, you know, let's shuffle the deck, let's reload. Um, and, and we'll just try it again. Yeah. You know, um, you, you ever watch and, the sound of music? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, so I, uh, I, I'm an idiot and I only watched it for the first time, like maybe two months ago, like in my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> okay. So, so this, right. this, this, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is where everybody can laugh at me. Right. This is, this is, this is not as got truth. Like I've been wanting to watch a movie for, of course, my whole life, but just never got around to it. Right. And, and so, especially when you start getting into your twenties, it's like, ah, older movies, blah, 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 whatever. So finally a couple months ago, it's on Disney plus. I'm like, I'm sitting down and I'm watching this movie and I freaking loved it. You know, it was beautiful about the movie. This isn't going to be a sound of music podcast. I could do another episode on that. But like, <laughs> but like what I, what I absolutely loved about it was the scene where uh, Maria goes to the nun after, you know, after she's been with the, the, the Von Trev family. And then, you know, she she goes back into the convent and she's kind mm-hmm. of again feeling again like this fish out of water. And she goes to the mother superior. And the mother superior is like, like, you're in love with this man and you need to acknowledge that and you need to go do something about it, basically. Uh-huh. And sings the beautiful song, you know, Climb Every Mountain, yeah, which was I just spectacular. And honestly, I didn't even know the music, honestly. So, so when Mother Superior is singing Climb Your Mountain, I don't even know the song and I'm like crying. Yeah. It's like she's singing it, right? Because it's, like, it's, I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but it's, it's to your point that it's like, like we recognize these, there are these disappointments and we should honor and recognize what yeah. the desire is and sift through yeah. like, what is my God-given desire? And how far am I willing to go to seek it, the fulfillment of this desire. And that's what yeah. the song's about. The song is climb every mountain, you know, mm-hmm. ford every river, like you like yeah. go, like go do, do everything mm-hmm. within your grasp, within reason, within your, your, your domain of responsibility, your domain of possibility to go figure out what it is that God wants in your life. And, yeah. and don't like let fear prevent you from, from seeking the will of the Lord. Uh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, those are going to be the only things that make us happy. Those would be the only things that, that, that give us hope. Those will be the only things that, that give us any sense of fulfillment in, and it's yeah. not going to be easy. Greatness isn't going to be yeah. easy. I mean, goals aren't going to be easy, but, but that Amen. we shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from them be, just because they're not easy. Um, rather we should press on with, with faith and with hope that the Holy yeah. Spirit's guiding us all the way through. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes is from, from, you know, Pope Benedict, where he says, um, he says the world offer the world offers you comfort, but we are not made for comfort. We're made for greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that for me, it, you know, speaks to my prayer life. It speaks to my my training. Um, that there is um, there's the temptation to choose comfort. You know, to sleep in on Sunday, to you know, sleep in on Saturday, skip a long run, skip math. You know, it's 
that is more comfortable, but we are made, you know, we're made for greatness. Um, and greatness takes work. Uh, but the work is worth it. You know, um, I, I have, I've never regretted, I've never regretted going out for a run when I didn't want to, but I have regretted skipping a run when I didn't want to, I will say, you know, um, yeah. So I think that is, you know, it's, I, I would be hard pressed to find anyone who would say, yeah, like, I was going to, you know, uh, yeah, I was going to go to mass, but then I skipped it. And like, I'm so glad I did. I got so much more done. Like, I'm really glad I skipped my holy hour today. I feel so much better. I, but I have certainly, you know, come across people who are like, yeah, I just, I didn't, I was busy. I didn't do my, my morning prayers. And I just kind of feel all funky today because my whole day's off, you know? Um, and I think that that's what I think the Pope is getting to. Like, uh, choosing you choose comfort, you know, greatness over comfort every time. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We know that from a business standpoint and people yeah. who are successful. These aren't things that happen overnight. I mean, most people, yeah. and even for people who do happen overnight, they, they have the opportunity to, to continue to engage or not the consistency. Right. Right. Um, this past weekend we had our, our, our men's conference here in the Archdiocese in New Orleans. And one of the, the saints football coaches, the, one of the offensive, the quarterback coach, Joe Lombardi, who, who's Vince Lombardi's grandson, he gave a talk I and he beautifully talked about like, you'd be surprised about guys who have this God-given talent and they make it to the NFL, but they just don't have the work ethic mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to stay in the league. And it's not yeah. because they're not talented enough, it's because they don't put the, the effort in or the work in yeah. To, yeah. To, to stay at the at this elite level. Right. Um, and so I guess really for anybody who's listening to this, this, everything we're talking about isn't just about marathon training. It's about like, you know, sometimes people apologize. I feel like maybe we do a bit disservice sometimes to people about our faith, but it's like, if you want to be the best principal, then go be the best principal. Like if you want yeah. to go be the most successful businessman in your neighborhood, in your community, because you feel that's what God's calling you to, then go do, do it. it. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're charitable mm-hmm. and, and giving, mm-hmm. don't lose your soul in the process. But we need Catholic healthy politicians. We need Catholic, healthy doctors. We need healthy, mature Catholic lawyers. I mean, like any domain of, of, of society and, and tell me where we don't need a mature Catholic, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of operating Mm -hmm. in. There isn't one, there isn't one. And so like people need to be obviously praying and discerning in their own hearts about where God is calling them to excel uh, because God certainly is calling us to excel in certain areas and parts of life. And, and then choosing that and then choosing to do the work that's required, you know, to get there. Um, yeah. Psychologically speaking, I've heard that the hope, hope is defined in, in the psychological literature as the, the ability to imagine that the future is better mm-hmm. and knowing that you have a capacity to make it happen. Right. So, yeah. so it's both right. imagining a better, a better situation for yourself while at the same time also recognizing that you have a, a, a say in being able to, to make that happen. Yeah. Um, and that that if we look at the possibilities that exist to achieve said goal, none of them are without obstacle, right? Mm-hmm. So so as you as you live in hope, you also imagine and and anticipate that there are going to be obstacles along the way Absolutely. for you yeah. to be able to to achieve you know the goals that that you feel that God is asking you to to go and seek. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know. Um, 
Have you seen Have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, not, I mean, not yeah. the cheery musical like Sound of Music is. Yeah, but yeah, still, yeah. Fair, fair question. Fair question. If I said I haven't watched uh, you know, Sound of Music, then maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> the hasn't this guy watched? <laughs> uh, there's a great scene right where so uh, you know. Um, Andy Dufresne, right? So he's, he's, he just gets out of solitary and he, he's back to lunch the first day. And, um, they ask him like, how did you, how did you stay in solitary? Right. And he says, I had hope. Um, and Morgan Freeman's character red, you know, kind of berates him. Like who says hope, hope can drive a man insane. Right. And, um, you know, Dufresne pushes back on that. And, and, and it's this element of, but I have to hope that there's something better beyond these walls. And that it wasn't a, a foolish hope, right? I mean, there was there were literally barricades, or li- like you know, literally obstacles, right? But it was that hope that leads him to a better future, right? Um, you know, and and for you know for again, whether it's in in running, whether it's in family life or work or prayer or whatever it is, we hope in these in these goals, but hope isn't passive, right? Hope is active, where we say, all right, well, I hope you know, for me, I hope to, you know, run a marathon under three. I hope to qualify for Boston. But that hope means I need to get up tomorrow morning and do my run. My, that hope means like, all right, yeah, I'm not going to have, um, you know, I'm not going to have that, that extra cookie. Like hope means I, I need to make these sacrifices to work towards my goal. Um, and the same is true. Like, well, what's our ultimate hope? Our hope, our ultimate hope is for heaven, right? Yeah. Well, it's same thing. It's it's an act of hope. So what do I need to do? What do I have to actively do to cooperate with God's grace to work towards that both end of, yeah, that kingdom exists here and now, but but also not yet, right? So there's still work that has to be done. Um, and recognizing, A, the work is hard, like we just said, but B, that it's worth doing. And if we, we work and we set those goals, then the hope of what is to come and what is still that that gap closes, right? And we get closer and closer to achieving um, our goals. Amen. So yeah. what would you say to somebody who wants to run a marathon that's never won run, run one before? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the number one thing I think is, is you like we said earlier, you can't white knuckle it, right? So you need, you need some sense of structure. And, there are there are great resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, resources available on FirstSaudiRunning.com. <laughs> nice plug. I was, I was leading you to that. Was, was, the softball was there. It was it was there. Yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there, you know, there are there are great and and you know, truth be told, you know, not every training plan is for every athlete, right? Right. Um, and that, you know, and that and that's fine. Um, but but you need a plan, right? You absolutely need some sense of structure. Um. So that'd be number one. Number two um, would be to invest in a good pair of shoes. Um, it, there, you know, a lot of people will say like, "Well, what's the best shoe?" And the answer is, there is no best shoe. Right. Um, you really need to find what works for you. There are definitely some parameters, right? Like, please don't go out and run in your Sperry's or your Hunter rain boots. Like, you need <laughs> running shoes, but it's not like. Oh, like, oh, these shoes are 250 bucks and these shoes are $80. Therefore, the 250 shoes are better. Like, no, it's, you know, you, you find what works best for you. Um, and then the last thing is, is to commit to it, you know, is write it down on a piece of paper, share it with some coworkers, you know, 
tell, tell your family, your friends, post on, on Instagram and speak your goals. And that is going to hold you accountable. That's right. Um, and you know, those, I think those three things pair really well with, you know, with the spiritual life, right? Life. Like, Go well, like, so like I said first, right. So you need a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyone, anyone can run, anyone can get out and run and, and be healthy. And I think the same is true. Like pr- all you have to do to run is to run. If you want to be a runner, all you need to do is run, right? People say like, ah, oh, like I'm not a runner. Like I just do like two miles a day. Like, no, like you're a runner. Like that's it. That's it. That's all you have to do to run is, is to be a runner is to run. The same I think is true in our prayer life. If you want to be a person of prayer, all you have to do is pray. Like that's it. Now, at the same time, having a sense of structure helps us build a, a long-term prayer life, right? right. Um, in the same way, you may, you say, like, well, what, well, what's the best way to pray? Well, like there may not necessarily be a great way to, you know, a best way to pray. Maybe, you know, if you're drawn to, you know, uh, a particular charism, right? Like whether it's, you know, for me, I teach at a Jesuit school, so you know, I'm, I'm drawn to the charism of St. Ignatius Loyola, Um but I, you know, it's also educated in high school by the Marianists. So I'm of course drawn to contemplation of, of the blessed mother. Right. Um, or perhaps you're drawn to the, you know, a spiritual autobiography or praying liturgy of the hours or just spending time in adoration. These are all good ways to pray. Right. right. But it doesn't mean that every way is okay. Right. So the same thing, you can't just go out and run on your Sperry's. Right. Um, there's a time and place for Sperry's, uh, but not when you're training. Right. So it's, you know, it's saying like, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't really like to pray. I just like to go out in, in nature. Right. Now I don't get me wrong. Like we can certainly contemplate God in nature, but like we can't, you know, supplant prayer for just a walk. Right. In the same way we can't just like, there are certain parameters we have to work within, you know? Um, so like getting the right, you know, getting a, getting a plan, getting the right materials, um, and then speak, speak your goals, get a group, you know, uh, whether it's a, you know, a Bible study or, um, a, you know, if you've got a youth or young adult or, you know, a parent, a family group, um, speak those goals and get, be held accountable. You know, um, we're all going to have those off days. And if you know that your buddies are counting on you, whether it's for your long run, whether it's for your Bible study, that's going to get you out the door. Um, and recognizing that we're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days. Um, but that if we work and put the work in, good things are going to happen at the end of the day. Amen. Amen to that. You know, the Thanks. speaking, the speaking of the goals, I mean, that for me was, was, it was a big piece. If I didn't put the money down for the marathon and start saying that I was going to do it, I wouldn't have run as much. You know, the, yeah. there would have been no incentive to be like, Oh, well, I'm just going to go run 18 miles today because I feel like it, you know, like that just didn't happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that disciplined enough to be like, I'm just going to go run just for the sake of it. Like I needed the goal of the marathon sure. to hold me accountable. Yeah. And, and there's something about it that is, it, it just does. It, it, it's, it's whenever you said, this is what Jordan Peterson says. If I don't know if you follow him at all, he's a psychologist, a Canadian psychologist mm-hmm. who's become quite popular. And, and he says that, you know, the goals that we set before us are act as a judge. The ideals mm. that we have before us are that they're, they're, they're the judgments that we hold against ourselves. And, and we need that, you know, because if we, not to be harsh or condemning or critical, but like we hold ourselves to a standard and that's okay. Like, that's okay to say, 
the standard I'm holding myself to is I want to pray regularly or the mm-hmm. standard I'm holding myself to is I want to run regularly. And, and mm-hmm. as long as you're meeting your failures with, with mercy and compassion, it's all mm-hmm. right. Because as you continue to move forward, that's, that, that's going to encourage you, honestly, to, to stay yeah. with it and, uh, and to get through it all. So yeah, that's just right on, man. Right on. That sounds good. So we're coming to the end of our time here. I really appreciate this. This has been awesome. But any any other advice yeah. that you would want to offer runners or or for for they what you go to when you tell your athletes that you're coaching when they're facing doubts <sighs> you know, or, or injury or struggles or any of that stuff? Yeah, you know, I, for me, it is. It's so much of it is about the process and and loving loving the process. You know, and you know, we were, you were speaking before the show started about one of my athletes who, who recently did a really, you know, just phenomenal job, you know, beating one of his goals. Right. And for me as a coach, you know, I was really pumped up to know that he had beaten his goal. Right. But for me, the great success was when I got this email later on saying, all right, I want to do the full marathon, Mm -hmm. you know, because that for me was this, this moment of, all right, he's, he's, he's bought in, he's in, you know, um, and it's, it's this commitment to the process, you know, teaching, teaching at a high school, you know, uh, you go on retreats with, with these, with students and everyone can have a great retreat experience, mm-hmm. right? But the fruit of the retreat is seen all right, a month later, are those guys coming back to campus ministry? Are those guys volunteering, you know, at the homeless shelter that, you know, that's, that's where, you know, was it, was it just that one moment? Or was it the process? And so, you know, for, for anyone who is thinking about, um, starting running or if you're, if you're in it right now, or, um, I have been in that place where I'm on the sidelines and it's, you know, for me, it's like the only thing worse than having to go out and run a 20, a 20 miler on a Saturday is not being able to go out and run a 20 miler, (laughs) which sounds nuts, right? It's true though. (laughs) It's, oh gosh. Um, and so just being patient, you know, and, and think about like, you know, if you're injured, like focus, like not focusing on what you can't do, but focusing on what you can do, you know, like, okay, I can't run today, but I can, I can lift or I can do core or I can bike or I can swim, you know, like just keeping your eyes on the goal and the process and not getting so weighed down by, you know, by the moment. Um, you know, so it's, it's not, you know, and not to speak lightly of this. Um, but instead of saying, Oh, what can I do? But focusing on what, you know, what can I do? You know, um, you know, I didn't have enough. I didn't, you know, I was going to do 10 minutes, 10 minutes of prayer today, but you know, uh, you know, the, things went wrong. I had to get the kids up and, and, you know, and you know, there was who knows, you know, when to get the kids up and, and, you know, sheets were everywhere and there were books all over the place and what should have been a you know five minute job became a 20 minute job. And all right, well, I'm going to spend two minutes of prayer today. You know, I'm just, I'm going to commit to something. And I think those moments of, of commitment, that is what builds, you know, the long-term process. That's what sets you up for success, um, in, in the long haul. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Thanks. good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So for Sunday running club, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, what's the best way to, uh, to, to, to get a hold of some more information? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you can check us out at forsadirunning.com. That's Forsadi with two S's and one T, uh, <laughs> forsadirunning.com. Um, or we're on Instagram at forsadi.running again, two S's, one T dot running. Um, or you can send us an email at forsadirunning at gmail. 
Um, and I'd love to chat running, you know, uh, prayer, obviously blessed Pierre Giorgio, um, or food, tacos, burritos, anything, you know, runners, uh, you know, like if you're a runner, like, do you run because you eat? Do you eat because you run? Does it really matter? The circle begins. Um, but I am, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's great. You know, my, my, I've got a toddler, my wife is pregnant. I'm running. So we are constantly hungry. We're constantly eating at our house. Yes. So, uh, it's a good place to be. That's fantastic. Yeah, what I appreciate is that you have the, those running programs that aren't just running programs. It also encourages the spiritual life and Amen. the how to pray even in the midst of it. And I'll yeah. say this. I didn't say this earlier, but I'll say just even now is that for me, running is a good balance between the contemplative and the active. You know, when we look sure. at the two arms of the spiritual life, the doing and the mm-hmm. receiving, that I too, just like you, I, I I do. I only bought like a pair of AirPods. I think late in the in the training, but the mm-hmm. vast majority of the, of the miles I did without music or or anything. Mm-hmm. And even the race yeah. itself, maybe thirty minutes of it, I, I had had the earpods in, AirPods in. Um, but honestly, I felt like I was distracting myself, like from from listening to my body. Yeah. And so for me, it's running is this very contemplative exercise where you're just paying attention to the rhythm of your of your your cadence of your breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of your body really pay, being attuned to what your body can and can't do, knowing when you're pushing yeah. yourself and when you're not. That's right. That's right. It, so it is. It's like you're doing something, but you're also in, in an intense prayer. So it, obviously, I'm giving the plug here because it seems like what you guys are trying to do there is 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 encouraging that kind of both and. Um, Amen. Uh, in, in yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, we we do have you know different different training plans and training programs, and and each you know each week always comes paired with a different challenge, right? So, um, whether sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's, it's, it's prayerful, you know, um, you're looking at, um, you know, what, what am I, you know, what am I grateful for? What are those things that are grounding me? You know, I'm going to have a bad run today, but I'm also this week thinking about where I derive gratitude from, you know, so I'm just kind of being grounded in, you know, what I'm doing or, you know, um, this week, you know, it works now you were in the season of Lent, but even outside of it, all right, this week, I'm just going to pick one thing and fast from it, right? Because I'm going to work on self-mastery and discipline. And, um, you know, these are our habits that we can build for our prayer life and for our, our athletic, our athletic goals, you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's not a, it's not an either or, you know, it's, it's a both and, right? Um, developing the spiritual life, developing these, these habits of, you know, of, of regular fitness and exercise. Um, or again, I mentioned Ignatius, right? The spiritual exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, and he understood that well, you he know, yeah, but, the spiritual exercises. And there's a reason why he right. exercises, not, not yes. the spiritual meditations or the spiritual cognitions. I mean, the, the word yeah. exercise was there deliberately because that, it is yeah, that. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And so again, just saying this, it, it, it's, you know, I, I think even when it comes to like running or physical fitness as a whole, like, you know, St. Paul says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and in taking care of the body is part of what we're supposed to do as Christians. Like it mm-hmm. means that like we're, 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 we're being responsible for this tremendous gift that God has given to us. Now, again, yeah. genetics plays a role, circumstances, I get it, that there's a whole sure. host of things we can all, we have to operate within our genetic box when it comes to running yeah. or really any physical activity, but just doing the best that we can with what we've given to us is the reciprocation back to the Lord is an honoring like, yeah. God. Thank you for this gift that you've given to me for as long as I have it, you know, until it's glorified. But like, yeah. you know, I want to make use of the gifts that you've given to me. And that also means taking care of, taking care of my body. Um, yeah, in this it. great temple of the Holy spirit that, that I'm, yeah. that I'm living in. 
Yeah. Are you familiar with the Sushi Pay by San Ignatius? I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. it is. Yeah. It is, right? Take, throw, receive all I have and call my own. That's it. You got it. That's it. And that includes, awesome. that includes our body. You know, that includes everything. everything. So... So again, just bringing this to a close, not not viewing these things in, in a dualistic fashion, you know, yeah. but really trying to find the both and in it all. And of course, yeah. we could, we you know we have a cult of the body. I know I don't want to go too far on the other extreme, but but finding the balance in in encouraging everybody to really make physical fitness as, as much a part of their spiritual life, um, in as much mm-hmm. as their prayers and, and and everything else. So, Patrick, final question: to Ask all my my guests, what gives you hope? Man, you know it's. I, I have the great privilege of being, um, you know, being a high school teacher. And whenever anyone tells me or says to me like, man, like, you know, the church is dying and like young people just don't care anymore. And I'm just like, you do, like, you guys don't see what I see. Yeah. You don't like, you don't know, like, you don't know what I know. You're reading about it in, in what, like a, a hot take news article. Like I'm in it. Like I'm on the ground floor. Like the church is alive um, and it is joyful and it is young. Um, and so it is, it's the young people that I get to spend my days with that gives me hope. Um, they are, uh, yeah, man, you know, I, I tell them all the time, like you are, you guys are not the future of the country. You are the present you're right now. Um, so they give me hope every day. That's awesome. What a beautiful, beautiful way to end the episode today. Patrick, thanks man for, for joining me on the show. God bless you and all the, the great endeavors and awesome stuff that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to the follow up when you uh, when you get that uh, that sub four. <laughs> yeah, let's we'll make that happen. Yeah, that'll be uh, all over Instagram when it, when that absolutely. happens for sure. So we'll, well see. Good we'll luck. see. You got it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, well, God bless. God bless you too. All right, everybody. Another great episode is done today. So, what is the takeaway? Set goals, man. Set big ones. And, and go get them. Devise a plan. Go do it. You want to run a marathon? Go run a marathon. You want to go get a doctorate? Go do it. You want to write that book? Go get it done. There's so many amazing things that are out there. The trust that the desires that God has placed in your heart are important. And then you have to go do the work to go get them done. It's part of your, your spiritual life. It's part of you growing in holiness is, is achieving and doing the things that God is asking you to do. And along the way, people are going to try to tear you down and you're going to try to discourage you, but never apologize for seeking goals. Even if you fail, it doesn't matter. The journey is worth it. Never apologize for excellence, especially in success, because God is calling you to those things. So thanks, everybody, for being with me today. Again, follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about this episode and previous episodes of the Holy Soul Podcast. God bless. Be good. Thank you.